GZM Shows and the creators of Six Minutes are rolling out their newest audio adventure with the podcast Discovering Dad. A cautious single dad with a secret past and his rebellious kids embark on a thrilling quest complete with hidden treasure, villains, and a family curse. New episodes of Discovering Dad roll out weekly starting June 11th on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show so you never miss an episode. Or listen early and ad-free as a GZM Show subscriber. Go to gzmshows.com to learn more. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, it's Malls. Thanks so much for listening to Please Advise. Just a quick message before the show. Don't forget to subscribe in iTunes. It's super helpful for us and super helpful for you. You can also call 323-450-7408 to get your calls on the show. Again, 323-450-7408. Or email askpleaseadvise at gmail.com with your voice notes or emails. Thanks so much. Hey guys, it's episode 119 of Please Advise. I brought someone that I enjoy very much, my friend Dan Mario here today. You guys might know him from working with Chelsea Handler for many, many years. Most specifically, I just realized this, you're the one. You and Jenny Mullen and uh, Jenny Mullen Biggs and Chelsea did ayahuasca together. I totally forget that about you, but that was you. Okay, so first of all, what's it like to work with Chelsea? Tell me that. I do like working with her. I, I, she's a good friend, but I appreciate her space in the, in the, in the talk landscape. Yeah. I feel like the talk landscape has a lot of people who are, uh, it's very plug based mm-hmm. and it's a little bit kiss assy. Mm-hmm. And I think she's like a scrappy, authentic person. You know, I have to say that on her talk show, I've always had a problem with, I just for years, I've believed that they need to stop making celebrities promote their movies on talk shows because I've never walked away from like a David Letterman interview being like, wow, I like that actor so much more now. Like, but on Chelsea, I definitely have. Um, But I've heard, like, I've read her book that's, like, uh, all of her employees, like, co-wrote this book about what it's like to work with her and just being pranked and stuff like that. I thought she seemed really fun. I've only met her once. I was a little buzzed. And it was backstage when I was doing, uh, I was going to be a guest on Whitney's, Whitney Cummings talk show, Love You Mina. And Chelsea came in the back room to, like, kind of see how everyone was doing. And, of course, Ed, my best friend, was there as an assistant to On Whitney's show. And um, I just said, Chelsea, I said, this is my best friend, Ed. Don't steal him. And she laughed at me and she, she just laughed. She goes, OK. And I think she respected that. I literally just looked at her in the eye and said, don't steal my best friend. And it was so weird. And I expected her to gut me. Yeah, like, I think I think she probably sensed that you were a no bullshit person. Okay. She's, she's someone who doesn't suffer anything. She okay. walks away from people. But I, I mean, when you have a talk show, you do have to you have to promote whatever the person's promoting um, to a certain extent. But I do like like we just did an interview where, with she did an interview with 
Jessica Chastain. Mm-hmm. She sat down and it was for promoting Mrs. Sloan. I think the name of the movie is. And um, just the second thing she said was like, what is that? That movie's about the gun lobbyists, right? She goes, it sounds really boring. So we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> anyway, what what do you want to talk about? And yeah, I don't know. There's not a lot of people who do that. I mean, that's true. It's it is it's what I want out of a celebrity interview. But okay, so now I need to know about the ayahuasca because for years it's been a secret dream of mine. I had I've had really bad experiences with mushrooms for the most part, um, but I have had really great realizations. So like the next day has always been amazing, but the night that I'm on them is hell. And so. Um, I've wanted to do ayahuasca because it feels like obviously a contained experience. Um, it's something that everyone kind of has the same journey um, and it is hell to go through. Um, but once you get out on the other side, you've done a lot of work. And because I like to go 10, like I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do a soft five with the mushrooms. Like I'm going to go 10. I'm going to shit myself and vomit in the woods and then come out a better person. And I think that's why I said yes, ultimately, because I talked about it with my wife and I was like, should she was pregnant at the time? And I was questioning whether or not I should go. Yeah. And ultimately we were like, well, you have an opportunity to go into the rainforests in Peru with a, with a shaman. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty cool opportunity. Like who gets it sounds to do like that? a real adventure to mm-hmm. me. And that was, that's what it was. It was a real adventure to actually stay in this place that like, if we had to make a phone call, we had to use like a satellite phone. Like we were out there. But night one was brutal, right? I only ended up doing night, doing one. night one. She did it two nights in a row. But Chelsea seemed to have so much fun on the second night. Like, or not so much fun, but like uh, a much more calm experience. Cause she was like kind of strapped in for it. She knew what to expect. Did you regret not doing a second night when you saw that her experience was so much more euphoric and what this drug is supposed to do? I had a pretty amazing trip, actually. This is a cool opportunity to tell people what happened to me, because obviously that show, that episode needed to be all about her perspective more than anybody else's. Tell me what happened. I had an amazing experience on it. You definitely get sick. I remember I remember, I was really sick to my stomach, and I, I didn't want to be on camera that sick. And I actually didn't throw up or shit myself or anything like that. But I thought I was going to puke. And I really, I didn't want to puke on a bucket. In a bucket. Yeah. Time. So I I got up and I managed to go to this this bathroom. Um, and it was every surface of this bathroom was covered in some kind of insect, dead insect. And it was and I I shut the little curtain and um I looked around and I I was like, what the fuck have you gotten yourself into? Yeah. I was like, you have a beautiful family at home and you have yeah. a nice house. And I was like, why Why would you do this? Why would you leave your home to go do this? I'm not an actor. I'm not like... Right. I'm not promoting myself usually, you know? Um, but it is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. It felt like a cool experience. It's, and by the way, the fact that you're on TV almost like bums me up because you have to think like, I don't want to puke in a bucket on TV, but if you hadn't, if there hadn't been cameras there, you'd just be like let, letting it rip, Right. Or you- it was a little bit of a compromise setting. There was cameras. The light wasn't as low as it should have been. Right. I managed to go back and it was like a half hour, 40 minutes in that it it kicked in. And it was like I was like a 
a vesselous. It was like my spirit without my body floating through space. That's that's okay. And and I was you. You're just sort of meditating and you're listening to the guy chant, and you're. I I I at one point felt myself like it was like I I I came out of like an ectoplasm like, and I was spit out into my childhood backyard. And I used to share my backyard with my my grandparents lived behind behind us. So we had a shared backyard. And I I loved my grandparents. It was yeah. like a major comfort zone. Like yeah. and it was so strange the details that that, that, that drug allows you to recall. Mm-hmm. Cause it was like I was there and there was this sense that it's 1983 inside that house right now. Mm-hmm. It's 1983 right now and I'm here and I'm looking in that house and my grandma's still alive and she's in the house back there and I'm walking around and looking at stuff and, and you still have this awareness all the time where you're like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, cause the drugs seemed to promise things that were too good to be true Yeah, for me. It was like, what kind of realizations are you actually going to have? Yeah. So I walked into my house that I hadn't been in since I was in fifth grade or something. And there was our, our kitchen and, and I, I walked down the hallway and I'm like, oh my God, remember this wood paneling? And like, oh my God, I walked into my childhood bedroom and it was like, those are the shelves that my dad built for me. And those are all my GI Joe toys. And I'm like walking over the shelves and looking at stuff. And then I turn around and it's me as a three-year-old sitting on the bed. No way. And then there was some kind of like edit in time. And then I'm holding me. Me now is holding me as a three-year-old. And the whole time you're like, you still have this bizarre for as for as impressive and amazing and expanding as the drug is. It's such a strange feature of it that you have this awareness of the whole time that like you can, if you needed to throw up or something, you would just do it and help yourself and take care of yourself. But like that whole time you're, you're experiencing this and you're like, holy shit, this is, this is really incredible. Yeah. And then I had these thoughts coming to my head of like, you have to be a, you have to be a great dad like you're old enough to where, you know, you you're your own man now, you're your own father in a way, like you mm. you have to be a great dad to your kids and it was just like this very basic revelation. Yeah. But very powerful. Yeah. And I don't know if it was just guilt-driven from being away from my yeah. family mm-hmm. since that was so much on my mind. Yeah. But it was still wild. And then did it end? Did did it end in that room? Did you stay there or did you go to other places in your life? That was it for me. That was like that happened over the course of like an hour. And then Jenny and Chelsea, like Jenny was in rough shape. Because I remember that's funny that you say that because Jenny's whole thing was like, and I was kind of, I mean, I have to say because I can be a little cynical because of cause TV. Um, I was a little cynical that Jenny might have been crying about how much she loved her son because she had just gone through all that press stuff where people were giving her shit for having her get like live tweeting her birth or whatever. That makes so much sense. So because 
all she kept saying was just like, I just love my son so much. And like, that's kind of the exact. Yeah, no, I believe it. It's like, it's, it's on par with the same revelations that I had, which is, I mean, it's a long way to go to, it's a long way to go to realize something that should be implicit. Right. Right. And it's, it's basic, but. But it gives you a visual you've never had. It does give you a vision. I mean, it's it's an amazing experience. That's it's crazy. I never would have. I don't think on my own I would have experienced something like that or had a vision like me holding myself. It's almost embarrassing to talk about because it's no, it's so super cool. Bad. I'll tell you like fully like my my takeaway from every mushroom trip I've ever done is that I'm not a bad person and everything's gonna be okay. Like, and I never realized till I'm on mushrooms how much I fear that I'm a bad person and that things are not going to be okay. And then like, that has always been the, and I'm, and I'm thankful for it. And it's been this, like, it's been like, you should know that, like, you should know that it's life. Like it's going to be, things are going to pro- like progress. Like, no, isn't, it's really hard to, it's, it, it's easy. Yeah. To get and it's up. nice. It's easy to get caught up and you're in the middle of something and you're, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. It's so funny. There's so many people who who drink so much, but they they judge people who. I do hate drugs. that, and I, I think alcohol the is worst like, thing. It's poison. Far worse. It's, poison. it's far more insidious than absolutely. Me. I think than most things, to be honest. I mean, I think alcohol is one of the worst things, and it's so weird that it's legal. Um, but anyway, listen. I think we have a bunch of calls for you that we could start taking. Do you want to do this? Okay, Let's calls. Do it. Let's do it. Hi, most Christina and guests. I'm Annie. I'm 30, and I live in Los Angeles. And I'm going to try to keep this concise. I tend to ramble, which might lead into uh, the reason, of, you know, regarding my question. What do you do if you have very frantic energy? I do yoga. I'm in therapy. But ever since I was little, it's hard for me to connect with people because I've always been told I come off very weird. And I've actually been called by an ex creepy. You usually don't get questions about when a girl's creepy. It's usually, oh, the guy's creepy. But I don't know what it is. Um, you know, I, I try to just be very, you know, I listen to people. I try to be very calm and, um, you know, kind of limit my jokes. You know, I'm a writer and um, creative person. It's hard to explain, but when I meet people, you know, I I usually kind of get blown off or I'm told by a friend, like, oh, you know, Annie comes off very strange. Or when I first moved here to Los Angeles, I had a friend who introduced me to another friend, and he said, oh, you help me sometime, and said, oh, we can all get together. You don't know anybody. I sent him one email, and he asked my friend, why is that creepy, ugly girl emailing me? And I'm like, what? Once? And and ugly, that's really rude. But um and I've asked friends, I've said, Why why do you think I'm weird? How do I come across to you? And then they're like, Well, no, it's just something about you and you wear hats and you don't like cheap wine. Like that doesn't make sense either. So I know I'm rambling, but I would love to know how do I just embrace it and just be myself or do I have to read a book? Or do I just say, Fuck everything, yes, I wear hats. And I'm a little odd, but you'll love me anyway once you get to know me. 
Stay smiles, please advise. What do you think, Dan? I mean, I feel like I'm friends with a lot of black sheep. Totally. I feel like we're in a city of black sheep. Totally. And I get doubting yourself. I get I get that move that you're talking about where you're you're so worked up and so self-conscious and I think you can learn to let go of that. You got to I don't think anybody really cares. Well, I don't think she's a black sheep. I think she's like a neon pink sheep. Like I, you, I mean, and I keep it very real with these people. They know if they're calling me, I'm going to give them the the real honest truth. I'm very, very sensitive to energy. And I feel like someone like Annie would really throw me off. And I like there, once I met this like actress or whatever, and like after meeting her, I literally said to my boyfriend, you need to pull the car over. And I threw up. Because her energy was, it was on a hummingbird's level. And I was so physically drained after talking to her that I, in being in her presence, that I was just like, I gotta, I like, I need to like get this out of me. And I feel like if the consensus is that this girl has, and I mean, this, once you're hearing something over and over and over again, it's one thing, you know, that, uh, that email where he, that guy called you ugly, he was wrong for that. But like, if you're hearing over and over and over again the word creepy about your personality, that's that's specific. And I think that you could talk to a cognitive behavioral therapist about kind of some energy management because it's not about the hats and it's not about the fact that you won't drink cheap wine. However, I did write down like snobby question mark on my thing because maybe this creepy energy is is uh fueled a little bit by I've in the past I've met girls who have kind of creeped me out because they are very um they were heli- helicopter parented and just like very like that like are not used to the average average things in the world and can't like roll with the punches and they give off a weird toxic energy and I'm wondering if that's true of you and maybe Sounds like you're aware of it and you've heard this enough. Um, there's no like cure-all to get rid of it. It's almost like a mood disorder a little bit when you're functioning on a really high energy level like that. It's manic. I sympathize with, I guess I kind of relate though. I get all in my head. You do? I get, I get kind of face locked. I get quiet. So, but Dan, you're not like like you're not like that. Like I don't do you. I mean, like I don't think if if you went into a room of ten people, like when you leave, like Christina's not going to be like, how about that guy, huh? Well, like there's <laughs> and there's been people that we've had on where like after the fact, we're both like, I need a shower, dude. Like that was fuck. That was rough. we had a guest leave. We both cried because we needed to release like the energy of that person. Sometimes you, no, I no one says that about you. So that like I I think that Annie is I I agree with you. I want to sympathize too and be like, look, there's plenty of people where I feel like misunderstood or they don't get my personality or I haven't I've been I can be cripplingly shy and it comes off as bitchy. Um I'm bad at small talk. Um I know what my problem is. 
I think these problems are something that she really needs to work on, especially at the age of 30. I wish I knew what she was saying to people. And if she's not saying anything to people and she's getting called creepy over and over again, then that is a valid point. If you're hearing something over and over again, it might be true. And I don't know if she's trying to be funny or not, but she sounded... But when she says she's 30 years old and like, maybe it's just that I wear weird hats, like girl, like it has nothing to do with the hats. This is LA. Like I literally have a bandage taped to my face right now and I'm about to go to the weed store after this and then like go on a video podcast with my face bandaged with a napkin. Like people pull shit off here all the time. That's weird. Your hats are not the problem. There's an energy. I think there's really an energy issue, and you are probably uh, just go to therapy and start taking a UCB class or something. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I think she needs cognitive behavioral therapy. Probably. Did you go to therapy? I mean, did I? Yeah. Do I go to therapy? Oh, yeah. you go now? Yeah, I go all the time. But I've never had a frenetic energy issue. Yeah, maybe you need to exercise. That's actually true. Know. When you have a lot of energy to burn off, uh, but fr- frantic, like it sounds like you're you're anxiety. You you have a lot of anxiety. And have you looked into that? I don't know. I mean, I wish we could call Annie. I mean. Annie, call us back with more details because I want to know more about this, more specific situations. I know I often say that the details are not necessarily necessary, but in this situation, I think we need more details because it's not the hat. It's not the cheap wine, even though I do think that it can be annoying when someone's like being a snob. I also agree that it's up to you what you put in your body. And when someone has gross liquor, I don't drink it. Um, But you're hearing creepy a lot and that's and I need to know more examples of why creepy. And what were you emailing the person about that I mean maybe these just aren't your people. There was this girl back in the day that was like dead set on dating a friend of my boyfriend's uh and they were all a bunch of guys like lived in a house and like she would call me crying and be like, they they were just so mean to me. Like, they made fun of me. And I'm like, leave. Like, why are you there? Like, why are you hanging out with guys that make you cry? Like, because you, you think you want to date one of them. Like, he yeah. obviously doesn't want to date you. Like, maybe these people, if they're calling you creepy, maybe they're not your people. I don't know. That could be a big part of it. Yeah. If, I mean, if she's trying to hang out with people that are rejecting her, then like, yeah, why hang out with those people? But... I don't know. I, you got to, I think you have to chill out. Like I, that's what I, I hear like so much self doubt and you can't operate from that place. Cause if it was like, she was getting drunk and acting obnoxious, she would have mentioned that she like, we know by now that people would be like, and yeah, I drank, but like they, we don't, we didn't get that. So I'm, I'm really interested to know more. Uh, Annie, as soon as possible. Call us right back. 323-450-7408. Let's take our next call. Hi, Molls. Hey, Christina and guest. Um, I just called and I'm in like a weird cough medicine haze. So I think that it made zero sense. So I figured I would just clarify. Um, so basically, I just called because there is this dude. 
I dated him over the summer, kind of, and I acted real crazy with him. I was, like, you know, going through something and acted really, really weird. And so we both kind of pulled away from each other. But the thing is, I live in a very, very tiny vacation town. Um, There's, like, a population of 250 year-round. So we, I mean, like, literally every time I leave the house, I run into him. And we've kind of started up again. And not really, I mean, we've just developed this, like, weird flirtation. And he does, like, things for me that are, like, above and beyond. Like, he bought me four brand new tires because he decided that mine weren't safe. And, like, it's not like I'm, like, in a place where I can't buy myself new tires. Like, I'm establishing myself here and I'm, like, starting a life. I was totally about to buy new tires and he knew that. And he just did it for me anyway. And he gets, like, really protective and defensive with me. Like, when people talk to me at the bar or if he finds out I went to, like, a party or something and somebody was hitting on me, he'll, like, get real weird about it, and he, like, is really protective of me. But he's also, like, a former pro snowboarder. He's really probably the most attractive guy in the town. Every girl wants to hook up with him, and he just basks in it, and he flirts with them all, and in ways where I wouldn't, I don't want, like, I can't just brush it off and be like, oh, he's just flirty. It seems like he's probably hooking up with them. I'm like, I don't want to get all weird and crazy with him like I did over the summer. I really am trying to keep a realistic perspective with him. But everybody keeps telling me that they think we should be together, that they think he wants to date me, all this weird stuff. And I'm like, just need a realistic perspective because while – I want to believe what people are saying. I think they're just feeding into my delusion and, like, they're just kind of saying what they think I want to hear. And, like, I just need, like, a kick in the ass because if this guy's hooking up with a bunch of other girls, then I don't want to waste my time with him. This is a tiny town. I'm trying to establish my life. I don't want to be the crazy girl that's, like, obsessed with the one, like, town flirty flirt. Dude, sorry, I am on cough medicine. I'm a mess. But um, I just need some realistic outsider perspective. And, yeah. Okay, so we both agree that there's kind of a disconnect here. And I think I figured it out. I think that, okay, we thought that we were like, but she never really said she's, like, super into this guy, right? There's a glaring omission. There's a glaring, like... But at no point in time, yeah, I really want him, but I'm too afraid to make the leap. Okay, so, so when she said she went all crazy on him last summer, what I'm seeing as crazy in this scenario is that's her asking for the define the relationship conversation because guys make you feel crazy for trying to have that conversation. Like, dude, we were just hooking up, and like now you want me to be your boyfriend? Like, that is what crazy like I went crazy and I had this whole conversation with him. And what crazy really is, is like trying to have an adult mature conversation and establish where the boundaries are in your relationship. Guys make girls feel crazy for that. So I'm thinking that that's what happened. And then, you know, after she I think that she probably put the pressure on him to be in a relationship and stop hooking up with other girls. And then they drifted apart because he was freaked out by that. Also, when they dated it was summer, so it was prime time for this hot former. I mean, like, why would you, if you're a hot former pro snowboarder 
and you can get any girl in town during the regular year, why wouldn't you be hooking up with all the summer girls, right? So I'm thinking that that is what she means and she does want to be in a relationship with him right now, but he's flirting with all these girls in front of her and that leads her to believe that having any sort of define the relationship top talk or take it more seriously would be um, perceived as creepy and once again kind of screwing over herself in this very, very small town where there's not many options to begin with. How would you feel if a man bought you tires that you could afford yourself? I mean, how would you receive that emotionally? I would think that he really likes me and cares about my safety. And it's and, a very, yeah, it's a caretaking. It's, some, it's something you would do for someone you wanted to look after. And I think that there's a lot of romantic stuff going on. And part of me, when I think, you know, him, I don't know if he's trying to um, piss on you, so to speak, and just be like, hey, she's mine, just in case, um, because he is flirting with these these other girls. And I was like, is the flirting a tactic to try and get her to step up and have that second conversation that's more serious? Or is the flirting or is this guy just like, you know, there are also guys like that that want to make sure that like they have, you know, this girl over here is taking care. I just got her snow tires. I own her a little bit like, but I'm not going to commit to her, but she's not going to go fuck some other guy while I'm in the room because I just bought her. I mean, I just bought her snow tires. And like, no one's going to be flirting with her. I don't want her, but she certainly will not flirt with anyone else. Like, that is kind of the attitude, I think. I think it might pay off if she backs off a little bit. It seems like she's she has a little bit of a desperate energy. Mm-hmm. And I think it would serve, I think it would serve you well if you had a little bit of a like, suck my dick energy. It's hard in your 20s. Like, I always say the thing that came with my thirties is that I'm finally for the first time in my life, like I can hook up with a guy and have it just be a friends with benefits situation and not guilt myself like crazy for like months. And I think that in your twenties, I think a lot of girls run around with like invisible guns and hold them to men's head and say like, be in a fucking relationship with me. And I think that that is like the curse of being a girl in your 20s is you want to be in a relationship with guys who could not want to less be in a relationship for the most part. Uh, Especially like, you know, thinking he's a former pro athlete. Like this guy's feeling himself. You got to. Yeah. You got to make yourself desired. But at the same time, don't. If you really I know that feeling of really liking someone and not wanting to date someone else for the sake of it. Maybe you should get into a hobby really hardcore. It sounds like there's not a lot of options. Not for a her. lot of D in town. So like you might as well learn how to knit and like spend your time knitting. And when he asks where you're at, you're like, I'm at home working on something. And he's like, that's cool that she does stuff. She doesn't seem as needy anymore. Mm-hmm. I want her more. But like I, I think her, him cock blocking her at the bar really is like mm. the confusing thing. Yeah, I mean, he's sending mixed signals. I think it's a, I think it's a piss on you type thing where he just wants to make sure that he has you on the back burner in case nothing else works out. Because he knows like and, and that's not saying that like you're the last chance. It's just mean it means that you're probably the best girl that he's dated in a long time. And he knows that about you. But he doesn't want to be in a relationship. He wants to continue to like kind of hook up and hang out with these girls. And if he has 
five girls that he's flirting with at the bar and he happens to be sleeping with all of them at the same time, not on the same night, but like those are all of his you up type people. Um, he he probably knows once all those you up type people are gone, you're going to be the one he dates. And it would serve her well to tap the brakes emotionally right now. I guess. But I also wonder, it's like, do you want to be with the guy that's fucking every girl in town? Like, I feel like that guy is like, you you can never really trust him because it's like, dude, you're insatiable. Like, how would I ever be enough for you? Like, I wasn't enough for you when I was standing right in front of you being like, I like you. Let's date. Like, basically, you fucked your way through town and now you're tired of hooking up with girls off Instagram or whatever. And now you want to date me like that's lame. You know, I don't know. I don't know, man. This guy sounds like trouble, though, either way. And I would definitely start to invest your interests in like going on Tinder dates and stuff like that with guys a few towns away, like like expand your Tinder mileage to like 30 miles and be willing to drive or date guys who are willing to drive to you because I think that I totally I'm from one of the places I'm from is Marshfield Massachusetts it's a summer town I grew up in Lexington but I spent my summers in Marshfield and a lot of my family lived there year-round it is it's very close-knit it's really hard to escape those people those townies are real like you see the same 10 people every day like just walking down the street. So um, it, I think it's time you date out of that circle for sure. I don't I know. I don't that. like I him. I agree with that. I don't like him. Have you ever dated a girl like that that was just like mean and like led you led you along? No. Who's this? Hold on. Can I answer this phone call really quick? Hello? Yeah. No, Miguel, it's Molly from I'm coming in tomorrow. You just called me. And I'm bringing in like four people with me. It's okay. I'm recording a podcast though, so I gotta go. <laughs> All right, bye. You leave that. Sorry, in that was my tattoo artist for tomorrow. Me getting done. Um, I'm gonna get um my grandfather inscribed his third. He dedicated his third book to my grandmother, and it was to Ruth, a sail, not an anchor. And I love a sail, not an anchor because my grandmother just let my grandfather do whatever he wanted, not like sexually, but like they did not sleep in the same room. My grandfather would be up all night long typing on an old school typewriter. Like he just was like my grandfather was able to be an eccentric genius because my grandmother was so understanding and loving of that. And so I always love that a sale, not an anchor. Like that's what you want in life. Like people talk, you know, people always get those anchor tattoos. I'm like, why would you want to be anchored? Like you want to, you want someone that's going to push you forward. That's my, I just thought that was so beautiful. Yeah. And you know what? There's an irony to that. Is that like, if you're with someone who gives you space, Mm -hmm. a sale, Mm-hmm. That makes you love that person. The the person who's open and allowing freedom. Mm-hmm. The receiver of that, yeah, falls in love so deeply. True, but not a lot of pregnant ladies would have let their husband go to Peru to do ayahuasca. Yeah. Oh, I'm so lucky. Yeah, like not a lot of pregnant. Pre- they'd be like, not period. Yeah, pregnant obviously. Or not. Obviously, I'm 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 speaking. For myself. But like, that's so true. It's so it's such like it's that it's so true. And I think that that's like something that when we give relationship advice in general on this podcast, I get very concerned for the girls that are like, 
he was weird about me going to this. It's like, no, if he's weird about you going somewhere that you want to go, this is not your guy. It's a pretty obvious red flag. Yeah. Like, you, I mean, if you're not together, you should be allowed to flirt with other people. My ex people wouldn't let me smoke weed. Like, wouldn't let me smoke weed. Like, and I'm like, so you, I could drink myself to death and you'd be fine with that. But like, if I t- take a, like a hit of marijuana, I have to hide that from you because Seems very unenlightened. That's unenlightened. And also like controlling, like no one should tell you what to put in your body. No one should tell you how to live your life. Everyone should tell you how to encourage, like encourage your dreams. Be your best person. Sail not an anchor, you guys. Miguel. So you're getting the words? Yeah. And then small. What kind of font? I don't know yet. I haven't figured it out. Do you want to pick the font? You don't want me to pick the font. (laughs) And then my friend Logan is getting a lemonade tattoo that matches my lemon. And then I'm getting the logo for my production company tattooed on me. He's going to have yellow? Is it going to be yellow? Yeah. It's like, a, it's like, yeah, I'll show you my lemon later. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I want to get the Velvet Underground banana. Oh, that's chic. That would be but chic. I can't figure out where I want to get that. Oh, yeah. That's actually, it's a precarious situation because yeah, it's a banana. Shape, I think maybe like there. That could be kind of cool. Yeah. Or on my, where everybody has it on their, on their kind of like bi- tricep area, but. I like the idea of it being peeled down. And then yeah. if you lift up the t-shirt, it reveals like a pink banana peeled. I like that the- a lot. I don't know. What about uh, just on the back of your neck? What about on my cheek? <laughs> if face tattoos are like literally, I've met so many nice guys where I'm like, I would really date you. I would date you, but you have a face tattoo. And I just don't think I can have sex with someone who has a face tattoo. Like I'd be looking at being like, you made such a poor decision. Like, <laughs> why'd you do that? Job killer. Grandpa face tattoo. Like, you don't, you don't, you don't want that. Um, all right, let's take our next call. Do we have a letter or a call? Okay. Hey, Malls. Hey, Christina. Hey, guest, if you have one. Um, I'm calling about um, social media etiquette post-breakup. Um, and this is not for me. This is for my close friend. Um, she was in a relationship for four years, and they recently broke up. And she was asking me if she should, like, delete all pictures, all posts, and everything of her ex. And I was like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Personally, I've never been involved with someone um, serious enough to post them on anything. So I just – I've never been in that position um, part of me is like, do you care enough? And the other half of me is like, if it helps you heal, not to see them out of sight, out of mind. So I don't know. Um, please advise. Thank you. Okay. Interesting question. And I have like a very, I have actually recent experience with like this whole thing. So, um, I was with the guy, Derek. I was with him for like a year and a half. It was a very serious, meaningful relationship. It was like a very, very meaningful relationship. And like, I will never, ever delete the pictures of us from the internet. I just won't. Like, I just, that was such an important part of my life. It always will be. I don't, if anyone that I date in the future that views those pictures existing as a sign of disrespect um, doesn't get me and doesn't appreciate that, I've lived all these stages of my life to be the person that I am when I meet them. 
Um, but at the same time, like all the kind of guys that have, I've dated more casually that I've had a picture up here and there with, I've deleted those pictures because they weren't particularly significant parts of my life. And like, you know, it sucks. Like Derek and I don't speak at all, but I do know that I do. I have a reminder that he cares about me because he's never deleted any of the pictures of us from his social media either. And it's an acknowledgement. I think a silent acknowledgement on both of our ends that like that period of time did in fact happen. It was special and it's, you know, it's over now, but it, but it happened. And, um, you know, I think four years, your friend is going, four years is a long period of time. Those are a lot of memories. And in deleting that, you're not just deleting his face, you're deleting the experience that you lived in which you took that picture, whether it be, you know, mountain climbing or sitting on a couch taking a cute selfie. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's like, it's like a snapshot at that moment of your life. And I can't imagine being with someone who would give a shit. Right. And if I was with someone who was so sensitive about it, um, I might, I might think about deleting them, but, um, it would have to be like way into the relationship. I think that the a lot of the times that people get uncomfortable about like, oh, the box full of letters. Oh, I found your old letters. I found your like, you know, whatever that stuff that the trinkets that you hold on to from a relationship. I feel like by the time a significant other finds those and then gets angry about them, there's already resentment and jealousy built up in the relationship. Someone really usually only asks you to throw away the, your pictures unless you are an unreasonable per, unless they are an, an unreasonable person or you have already asked them to do something similar and they want the same respect back. Like, well, I got rid of this. I would like you to get rid of that. I did just find a bunch of love letters from mm-hmm. high school. Yeah. Um, I had no idea that I was Brooke probably thought they were funny. Um she she wasn't interested. <laughs> and either and either was I. It was like right. neither was I. I was I, I found them and um I threw them out. And so the question is about social media etiquette. I mean, I don't know if there is one yet. I don't know, right? I don't know if there's like an agreed upon. I don't. That I think means it's, the yeah. same thing for everybody. It'd be interesting to know if if you if if your friend gives a shit about those pictures. The way you're saying you you care you you care in some way about your yeah. Old pictures I mean, of that you and was a very very important part of my life. It existed, and to delete it would make it would to would be dishonest. It would feel like a dishonest portion of my life, like. You know, like I can't just, you know, uh, show up me a shot of me on vacation and next to it, the selfie that used to be next to it of the two of us on that beach like that. I can't delete that. That's you know what I like. You know what that's indicative of for me? What? There's the the, the worst part of social media. Yeah, I think this is so obvious. Yeah. But maybe it's a newsflash for gross people. But you so much of it is performative. Yes. And I know I've heard a couple friends recently being being like, 
I don't really care about the amount of likes I get, but like, I'm going to post a bunch of pictures of my dogs because I know they're just up there and I like to go and look at them. I like to open up my own library and they're up there. And I don't, not comparing Derek to a dog, <laughs> but you're saying like, it's meaningful for you to have that just part of your, 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 and, your, and, your, and I will, and I'll also not lie and say that there is a performative element of it as is. well. Like, it's like, you know, that to me, that relationship was in my life, a life that I've lived very much online historical in my life. It was, it was a very like, you know, it was, it was a long time and we did so many great things together and have so many great memories. And of course, a lot of like complicated and sad ones too, but the good times were great. And um, I wouldn't go and delete a bunch of blog posts about, you know, a time where I was struggling with money just because I can pay my electric bill this month. Like that's, it's, I've always, you know, I, I've always been honest about my life online and to go back and to take that away would be, it would feel like a lie. Like, I feel like that's a lie to delete something that was important to me. That's part of a story. Because that's really what an Instagram is, is it's watching someone's life develop. And that's what a blog is, is watching someone's life develop over years and over time. And something about Snapchat that's interesting is that you can't really create that ongoing long story. But I mean, I have people who call this podcast who are like, I've been watching your YouTube videos since 2008. Like, that's, you know, to like, try and like eternal sunshine, like my audience isn't fair. Like, that's not cool. I feel very shut down that you say that it's, there's a performative aspect to your online life. I don't know Didn't why. You, you were the one who just started it and said the whole online life is very performative. And like, here's the thing is that I also very early on used my personality to get a foot in the door and like using that online and writing, writing from my own personal voice. Right. And so when I say it's per, like not deleting those photos is performative, I, I guess I mainly mean that to delete them would be an incomplete picture of the, of that part of my life. It would be like going back and deleting scenes in a movie because they aren't relevant right now. When in fact, that part of my life is incredibly relevant to who I am today. It might be a semantics thing. Yeah. I just don't find you, I find you less performative <laughs> and more raw and open and, and you're like presenting something as it is authentically rather than putting on a show. Okay. I could be wrong. Here's I don't the know. Thing. No, you're right. I'm not. Well, here's the thing is that there are people who are very well. They're very well. Um, and I don't mean like aesthetically. They're just they're very well groomed. Like their their situation is very like they make sure they never say anything negative. Like all of their pictures are visually beautiful. Like that that is definitely a, like a lifestyle that I do not subscribe to. Like, I'm like, Hey, here's me with a fucking burn on my face. Yeah. Like, <laughs> here's me like literally crying. Like, I don't, you know, it's, it's, but at the same time, I'm not, I don't, I'm not under any, like, I, I am also very aware that that I'm, it's part of creating a story that people are following. And like, that's, yeah. I forget. Was that call? Did that caller say, 
that person, she they're in a new relationship and should she? She's just saying like they broke up after four years and she's not sure how to handle her. No, not yet. Media. You don't delete them yet. You, yeah. you leave them up. It's part of your life and you cross that bridge when you enter a new relationship. The big sting is the on deactivation of your relationship status on Facebook. That's the big sting. Nothing hurts more than that. Like that takes I've every relationship where we've been in a status situation and then had to take it down. Whether we were speaking or not or hated each other or whatever, we've had great reverence for waiting to do it at the right time and like not springing it on the other person and therefore everyone in their life that this relationship is over. Like I could, I, to the extent I couldn't be brought to do it, that I just had to give my phone to someone else and said, disconnect me from like being his girlfriend on everything. My Facebook status says in a relationship. In a relationship. <laughs> I've been married for like seven years. <laughs> That's a relationship. So. Well, I was wondering because, you know, this is a new problem considering like the mm. technology. And it used to be where it's like, if you didn't want to, look back at those memories you put them in a box and like that's your breakup box for that person yeah. and like emotionally oh like, i got a it, box it manifests this box isn't a manifestation of your like emotional and putting it away but since you don't have that you know visual to put it away like i understand why deleting it would be the equivalent of that yeah you know it's true it's true it's it well four years is a long time it's a really long time and it, I'm sure that you had a lot of good memories and like just keep that's what that's why I keep my photos up is to honor the good memories and not honor like you know what was ultimately like oh my god devastating so let's take our next call hey malls Christina and guests this is Martha I'm calling to let you know Molly that I will be at the women's march and I'm very excited and we had snapped about it a little bit but I am all set me and my best friend are going we are taking a detour from our vacation uh, to make it out there, and I am really excited, and I hope to see you there, and I hope a ton of us go. So, yeah, have a good one. Bye. Hi, Malls. Hi, Christina. Hi, Please Advise Nation. My name is Lucy. I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, and Malls, I know you are attending the Women's March in about a, a week now. I will be attending as well with my mom and my sisters. And I was just wondering if there are any other Please Advise listeners, which I am sure that there are, attending. Because I think it would be the greatest thing in the world to plan a meetup of sorts on that day to get us all together. Um, you know, it's going to be such a meaningful day. It's going to be so impactful. And I listen to the show every week. I don't know anyone else that listens to Please Advise. So to meet other fans, I don't know. I think it it could make it could make me so happy. So if anybody is interested, let's make it happen. My number is four one zero seven nine zero zero six three zero. Emails lcyschultz at gmail dot com. Thanks everyone. Take care. Bye. You know. Okay, so first of all, yay, I'm so excited that both of you are going. Um, I want to start by saying that I actually, I tweeted out, you know, like who all is going um, because 
I got some really interesting information that um, about just safety and um, how to protect yourself during the march. If you um, are marching in any city, um, D.C. is, of course, going to be like a, a very hot button city. And again, the reason why I'm going is because I think that this is like one of the most important events that will take place historically in my lifetime. And I feel like I need to be there for that so that, you know, I can tell the kids I'm not having some day about it. But like I um, was I'm really I'm not going to lie to you. I'm really scared. Like I am going to do I'm, I do well with crowds. I do well with emergency. But like and I, I'm a, I'm a quick responder, but I've never dealt with tear gas. I've never dealt with riots. I've never dealt with um, like doxing. I've never dealt with having my phone cloned. I've never dealt with anything like this. And um, you know, I'm hearing I have some friends who, in my personal opinion, are being kind of flippant about it. And they're being like, no, like, don't worry about it. Like D.C. police, like also D.C. police hate Donald Trump. And it's like, no, no, no. no. But people are driving. People are coming from all over the world for this inauguration. And the Women's March is the day after. And odds are most people have extended their flight and their stay. And they're going to be there as well for whatever reason they want to be. Um, and I spoke to one of my Twitter followers, this guy, Ted Leo, who, um, one of his main jobs is photographing, um, protests in particular. And he said to me, like most of the information that you got in terms of, you know, having safety goggles in a backpack, having something to cover your face in a backpack, um, is, are they important? Um, it's it's good to have that stuff on hand. It's important to have antacid on hand because if you do get into a tear gas situation, it's important just in case anyone in any city needs to know this. Water and vinegar do not fight tear gas. The only thing that fights it is antacid. So like literally just pick up a couple bottles of it. Um, I got like three on Amazon for 17 bucks, I think. Um, there are some questions about whether or not it's lawful to cover your face in D.C., um, I think for the March, they actually have changed these rules. Um, I got some follow-up information from someone who originally told me that it's unlawful to cover your face in D.C. If I was to cover my face, it would only be to keep my face safe. Um, I actually am planning on live podcasting at the event, um, which is another reason why I'm going is I'm bringing a portable recorder and a mic and I want to talk to people and find out why they're there. And it's going to be an advice-themed uh podcast of course uh because it's please advise but i'm gonna try and talk to as many women as possible um look i uh i can't promise a please advise meetup at the the march because i don't feel comfortable doing that but i will i will try to put together something for that friday evening the 20th um i'm nervous about going out the night of the inauguration but if you if you guys know of a bar, I think that I'm actually staying in an Airbnb like decently far away enough that I'm not worried for my safety there. So if you guys, if you guys, if I can reach out to you, I'll reach out to you, Lucy. Maybe we can find a bar and I'll make a small announcement of a meetup. We'll put it like on the Tumblr page or something, something that's not flashy and we'll get people's attention on uh, Twitter. Um Yeah, I have a bunch of friends who are going to this. Um, my old roommate, Sarah Liz, is driving down. 
Um, if we meet up at the March, I think that's cool. And I think that's great. I just want everyone to know that like from everything that I have heard, you're going to know the people who are there to cause trouble when you see them and just avoid them. And so like, you know, I talked to you guys about awareness a lot about having physical awareness about being a, just a general self-aware person and having like your spidey sense up. And like, I'm telling you guys, like, this is the day to look alive. Like, be aware of what's going on around you. Like if someone's sneaking up on you, like you, there's going to be, there's lots of things. There's snitch jacking is a thing that is happening. There's people that try to fool people who are there for a peaceful protest. They tell them that they're, they're part of a peaceful protest and they wind up in a situation. I also got a really, really scary piece of advice, which is to have your full name, your phone number, the phone numbers of anyone important to you and the phone number of a lawyer written on your body in Sharpie. Um, and, you know, part of me doesn't know why the fuck I'm doing this. Like, I'm I'm terrified. But I'm hopeful that the good parts of the day will be good and that, um, that, that you know, no one's an asshole and that no one I know gets hurt. And... As exciting as it would be to meet up with everyone, I think it's most important that everyone's really safe. Um, one thing I hate is it stopped me from volunteering at lots of Thanksgivings in L.A. is that um, they demand that if you're a woman who wants to volunteer that you have a male volunteer with you. Um, and I've that's really bummed me out because I'm like, yo, I don't have a guy that like wants to come with me right now, but I still want to give homeless people mashed potatoes or like wash dishes or something. And like... I really think it's important that every group has a man in it. I really do. I think that that's physically intimidating to other people and lets other people know that like you're being taken care of. Um, and um, other than that, like there are some we will I'll link to some of the organizations you do. Uh, there's a Women's March site where you can register so people will know that you're in attendance and they will be sending you um, meetups, uh, uh, updates and stuff like that. I will try to do the best that I can. Um, I'll try to do the best that I can to have as many, um, links and stuff up for you guys as possible before I go. But, uh, I'm excited. Everyone's going, I'm just really taking the, I just want everyone to know I'm taking this really seriously. It is a day of empowerment, but you have to be very prepared and, that includes, unfortunately, the fact that there could be a lot of people there who are not happy for women. Because, Amer- by the way, America hates women. I say that all the time, but like this is this is the sad thing is that this is, should be a peaceful march, but America hates women, so it's probably not going to be. Um, and that goes for literally every city. So, and you you've seen the rioting in every city. It's it's possible, and like you you could even just get trampled by a police officer because you're not being aware. So just be aware. Um, Christina, do you have anything to say about this? There was one more uh, letter we got where someone was basically asking, like she's been having trouble dealing with the fact that some of her cis white male friends don't care about it or mm. think, think that it's important for them to participate. And so like she wanted to know your thoughts, thoughts on that as well. I mean, you're, it... I mean, how do you get men to care about women's issue, issues? Your your body, your your physical presence there counts. I mean, it, it's it's a 
It's a political statement. That's why I'm going is because I feel like I'm not doing enough by like just donating to Planned Parenthood. Like the best thing I can do is be like I am I'm offering up my body and saying, hi, I'm here. I'm showing up. Um, In terms of getting, you know, I, I haven't really thought about men. To be honest, which has been like a nice thing, like and and I and I know that that's probably annoying to you that your friends don't care, but like I don't care if men care. I care that other women care, and um, I think that that's the point of this, and I think that that's what this is about. Is it's about us sticking together. It's not about worrying about straight men for the for the day. Like it's really, um, it's about it's about us and our rights and our place in this country and. Yes, it sucks. Um, it sucks big balls. But like if you look back on like the Million Man March, like back in the day and the way that that has historically impacted our our country, um, you know, no one's talking about who wasn't there. People are talking about who was there. So that really is what matters in my mind. You know, it's like planning a birthday party. It doesn't matter who doesn't show up. It matters who does show up. Okay. Well, I think that's our episode. Dan, sorry, that last question had nothing to do with you. <laughs> do you want to say anything else? <laughs> I mean, I'd like to say I don't I don't hate women. Yeah, you don't hate women. No. I think you think there's plenty of women who hate women. Yeah, there there are. The system is not the sy- system is not that's why I say America hates women. The system is not set up for women. It's not. And it's it's um it's quite unfortunate. We see it we see it even in like entertainment alone like let's just look at entertainment alone it's always like female writer female comedian funny gal blah 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 like it has to always be this like preface and the reason why is because look at this creature who slipped through the cracks and like i'm telling you something like the most success i've had in my career is when I'm working with a white man. And the reason why, the only show that I've sold in recent, no, the two shows I've sold are because a white guy was in the room with me as my person. And for some reason, the presence of a white male is very soothing to executives. Whereas to me, like me alone. Who also tend to be white males. And as, or even women, but as to me alone, who's standing there, they look at me and they're like, well, what's this girl going to do? Like, who knows? She's crazy. Like she could come back like, you know, I don't know. Like, what is she going to get her period all over the script and like throw it? I mean, like what they don't, I don't know what they think, but like the, the presence of a white male certainly does push things along. So, um, that's just, you know, that's, and the, you know, pay gap, like everything there's a America does America has not been set up for in a woman's, in a woman's favor ever. And we all thought this election was going to be like, finally, this is the last like hurrah for like white men that have been like coasting by on their hatred and their racism and their misogyny and using religious beliefs, religious, quote unquote, religious beliefs to impact our country in horrific ways. Um, It didn't happen. It's going to be it's going to be we're set up for another four years of uh a guy that perpetuates rape culture that, you know, spent $25 million getting himself out of a rape lawsuit. Like, you know, our, our president has been on record discriminating against people for, yeah, our president elect is a racist and a a rapist. So there's that. There's, there's, (laughs) there's people who there's women who, when he said he's going to grab, he can grab women by the pussy, that he grabs women by the pussy. That's important. Yeah. It's something he does. Actively. That, so there's, there were, there were 
a ton of women who didn't care. They were like, he can grab my pussy. Yeah. Like, or even so, just like. And then, and then re- recently we were, we were on a message board uh, looking at someone was like, look, the Affordable Care Act saved my life. I'd be dead without it. Pre-existing condition, blah, blah, blah. And then there was a bunch of comments that were like, fuck you. You should be dead. I can't believe my taxpayer dollars had to, had to like fucking pay for your life. Yeah. This and guy. so that really is like. This is really complicated to talk about, right? Right. All of anything, yeah. All these, anything political, but if you really boil it down, there is such a difference. We there's such a difference in values, mm-hmm. and it's 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 fucking real. Mm-hmm. It's real. Like someone being like, "You should be dead." Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know where you go from there. I remember I asked, there's there's someone in my life that I care, you know, someone in my family. I was like, you don't care that he said he grabs women by the pussies? And she's like, no, I don't. And it's just despair. It's so, it's so, it's so devastating and heart sickening. And do you want to know what I think part of that is too? Is that it, they can't, it's a, it's a lack of imagination. Like it's. I have a theory. I have a theory that it has to do with millennia of you're you're with a man that's hunting and gathering and like maybe brutally raping you at the end of the night and maybe that's comforting because you're safe and he's providing for you Mm. and that it's so actually deep seated from an evolutionary perspective Mm -hmm. because it makes no fucking sense right now. No, and Dan, you remember, like, a lot of our audience probably does not remember. I remember growing up in a conservative family. Um, uh, we have come, it's shocking how far we've come in our dialogues about everything from, I mean, like, when a girl talked about rape back in the day, it was like, well, she asked for it. Well, what was she wearing? Like, now we live, I mean, people still do stuff like that. But we live in a world where a ma- like a majority of the people in my life anyway know that that's wrong. It's crazy how far we've come in 20 years. Like, but 20, 20 years is nothing. I mean, it's nothing. But like, it's just it's like I can't even believe that in, in my lifetime there would be headlines that were like Chelsea Clinton is ugly. Like, I remember they called like her an ugly child. And like, I remember reading that and being like, how are you going to call a little girl ugly in the news? Like how people being like Monica Lewinsky, like talking about her body, like talking about this, like the fact that that's how that was handled. Like, I mean, my whole thing after the OJ trial was like, there is no one in this country after the OJ series was like, there's no one in our country owes a bigger apology than Marsha Clark. Like literally we owe her an apology and every woman like her that was disrespected in her job because she was a chick and the way that she looked and she was doing her best and trying her hardest to keep up and in, in, in terms of just like this this crazy insane case with all this money and power behind it and trying to you know get her hair done so that people won't make fun of her and it just backfires and they make even more fun of her it's just like it's it's just it just makes me feel sick 
to know that like at least now there's sites like Jezebel or whatever that always have that counterpoint. There's always that counterpoint floating around online now. There used to not be that counterpoint. It would only be if you had like an extremely woke family member or like someone who was exposed to stuff in the, you know, like do you remember growing up in in the, in the nineties like that? Like just some of the, how much it's changed. Well, yeah. I mean, I was just even thinking when I was in high school, I was kind of like an anomaly because I was not tolerating a lot of behavior of the men or the boys in my life at the time mm-hmm. where they would just talk about girls a certain way. And I was just like so disgusted. And they're like, Oh, you're a fe-, like when feminist was still kind of a dirty word um, in high school, it wasn't cool to like assert your, feminazi like it was like no it it actually was like it was like you hate men you're a witch no literally there was a group of girls that were called witches at our school and not because they practiced wiccan because they were early feminists they were punk rock girls like they were very very cool and like amanda palmer went to my fucking high school like we had cool chicks in our town and like they were called weird they were outcasts you know and like they grow on to be these like icons and like those are I just I don't know, man. It just bums me out. It just bums me out. And I'm I'm excited that this march is happening. I'm so sad that there is such a um I'm so sad that there's such also a cloud over the whole thing too because I think that a lot of us optimists walk around thinking that it's going to be a joyful day and I can't even just tell you how my heart hit my asshole and then the floor when I read that list of precautionary things for the, before the March. Like I have, like I live my life trying to be as positive as possible. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have booked the ticket if I knew it was going to be so violent. Now I'm glad I did potentially violent, but I thought I was going to be like with my sisters, like marching in the street. Like I was going to bring wags. Like I thought it was going to be like a nice fun day. Um, but it's not, there's a good chance it's going to be. Yeah. And you have to be, you have to be aware and, yeah it's not like a town parade you know it is but it's not um all right anyway you guys and that was episode 119 of please advise you guys thank you so much for listening dan where can people find you on social media and other things about you well i'm on twitter but i'm kind of like i never tweet i mean you, you don't care. You shouldn't find Just me. Just watch the show you work for what show tell everyone the show that you work well for. i'm on chelsea yeah on netflix and you're fairly on often. Yeah. Um, and I kind of have like one note. I'm like a one dimensional performer. That's good. Or, you know, did I tell you? So I saw the meddler and I literally oh, yeah, yeah. recognized you. Cause like, cause you just like walk by for a second and you just say like, Hey, and I was like, that's Dan. And I like, couldn't believe I play, it. I play a director in yeah. the meddler. And it's, I love that movie. It's so great. It's my so mom great. and I watched it over the holidays. Cause I was like, mom, well, it's kind of a little bit her. Yeah. Um, and also the character comes from the neighborhood that I grew up in. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it was a cute little story. Well, I just the writer Marnie, was Marnie who Minervini. set up, um, who set Dan up with his wife. Oh, yeah. It was so, a great movie. My mom loved it, too. It so was, many gifts from Lorene. Yeah. So many gifts. <laughs> the Meddler is a great movie. It's well, Highly honestly, recommended. one of the I think it was my favorite movie of the year. Vanity well, Fair called it the number one movie of the year. I was going to say really Richard good. Lawson said it was like the best movie of 2016. It definitely was. And so did I. So many so many people I know thought that L- Lindsay Weber, too. A lot of people, not just people who made the list, but a lot of people who I respect 
said that that was one of the best movies of the year. Go watch it and watch it with your mom for fuck's sake. Like it's very therapeutic. We had fun watching it together. It was great. That scene where um, Rose Byrne's character is just like every day, like I go and my phone rings and like, I think it's going to be something like, I think it's going to be a job. I think it's going to be a guy. And it's like some like telemarketer or something like that. And that scene like really broke my heart because like, that is the thing that I wish I could say to my mom where I'm like, you don't understand like the tension I live in every day where it's like every time I open my email box, I feel like my life could change. Like you don't, it's like fucking, and it turns you into a monster a little bit. And like, I just related to that character so much and it made me want to be nicer to my mom. And it also made me wish my mom was richer. And <laughs> it, uh, yeah, no, it was a really great movie. Really, really great. Movies. And you just stole, you just stole the show. So that's a lie. I knew it was you right away. I was so <laughs> proud of myself. Do you know I could pass you on the street? You don't have an eagle eye? No, I could pass you on the street and not recognize you. Like, do you understand that? Like, you and I could be the only two people in the salad dressing aisle at the grocery store. And if you said hi to me, I would act like I saw a ghost. Yeah, so you have that in common with Brooke where, like, you guys are gifted verbally and mentally. And then, like... Visually just... Like, we're driving down the highway and I'm like, oh, that was Hillary Duff driving the opposite way. And she'll be like, what? Yeah, no. Oh, Ed will be like, let's say there was someone um, not in my house two miles down at the end of the driveway. Be like, oh, I saw that guy on Tinder. And I'd be like, how do you know this man's face? Like, how do you know you saw you saw his face on Tinder once? Like, how do you know this man's face? Ed can spot anyone. It's crazy. How many times has Ed done the show? Ed has done the show probably like five, three or four, five, four, five. five, five, five. But, you know, Ed is Ed is can be very conservative on this show. Ed is, he can be very buck wild, but he can also be, you'd be surprised at how, you'd be surprised. Well, he can, you know, he's trying to, now that he's in a more serious job, he's trying to be more a little uh, careful about what he says. Ed is always careful about what he says. Like he whispers the name of everyone. Like, have you noticed that? (laughs) When we go out, have you noticed that Ed like literally whispers the name of anyone even remotely famous? Like if he was talking to you, like he'd be like, yeah. And you'd be like, yeah. what? And like, and it's like, just say Chelsea. Like, he knows that that's his boss's name. Like, just say it out loud. He's the biggest whisperer. So sometimes he comes on the show and he can be very reserved. Um, but once someone called in saying that they didn't use condoms and Ed went off. What did he say? He was a, a slut from the 90s or something? Yeah, he was really. Yeah, that's not cool. What is he, a chaser? He, uh, I think so. Well, no, he has an open. Ma- I know it was wild. He, it was like an open marriage situation. He was at. He was actually really asking if he should um, do an enema and an anal douche every time before he goes and hooks up with someone. And Ed was like caught on. He's like, let me back up. I'm stuck on the condom thing. Like, like do whatever you need to do to clean your asshole. But yeah, like- you know what? That kind of reminds every once in a while. Dan Savage is like, I mean, every far and few in between, like. He'll just be like, you're an asshole. Someone will ask something. Yeah. Like, fuck off. Yeah. No, we we love it when we get a good asshole call, too. I love Dan Savage. He was the inspiration. Our inspiration for this was I used to write an advice column called Please Advise. Christina produced a radio story, little fake, fake radio, this American life moment about her parents, uh, how they met. And I always loved it. We were wanting to make changes in our lives. And I said, we both love Dan Savage. We both love this medium. Why don't we do a podcast together? And we said this at the farm at the Grove. um, And things have never been the same since. (laughs) Um, Dan, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I hope I didn't disappoint. 
No, not at all. I would love to have you back. Um, I absolutely would love to have you back if you if you would join us. I will. You know what I would love to have you do too? I really want Brooke to do this too. Um, I, I, I let her skip this season because I know she's so busy, but I really want you to do my Lifetime Original Movie Podcast where you watch a Lifetime Original Movie and you come over and you like recap it with me. I have a great guest for you. Who? Sarah Colonna. Oh my god, I would love her. You know her? Um, I don't know her, but several people have told me like she loves Lifetime Sarah movies. Sarah lives for Lifetime movies. She's really funny. I, and that makes me sad for Sarah because I also live for Lifetime movies, but I literally am the only person who has a Lifetime original movie podcast. Like every every everything has I'm five podcasts. Email introduce you. Yeah, let's let's do that. I would love that. She's great. And um, Lifetime's actually spon- Lifetime Movie Club is actually sponsoring next nice. season. So fuck yeah. Um, okay, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Talk to you soon. 